Imagine a world where innovation knows no bounds. At BAE Systems Fast Labs, we're pioneering advanced technology and defense research, shaping the future of safety and security. Explore our website to uncover a realm of cutting-edge projects, collaborations, and visionary thinkers. Whether you're a tech enthusiast, a defender of freedom, or just curious, Fast Labs is where groundbreaking solutions are born. Join us and be part of the future today. Visit www.baesystems.com slash fastlabs. Welcome to From the Crow's Nest, a podcast on electromagnetic spectrum operations, or EMSO. I'm your host, Tal Alshabut, filling in for our usual host, Ken Miller. Thanks for listening. In today's episode, we are going to talk about a topic that has become the focal point of world news the past few days. We are closely monitoring the unfolding of the Russia-Ukraine conflict and what that means for the state of EMSO. Joining me today to help discuss this topic is JET editor John Knowles. John, how are you doing today? I'm well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, John. We want to dive right into this topic of this episode. Looking at the military capabilities in play from Russia, Ukraine, U.S., NATO, what are some of your thoughts on how this conflict has unfolded over the past week? I guess my first take is to remind myself and everyone who's watching what's going on that, you know, Ukraine is a war zone and the news coming out is just a trickle. So we've got a very spotty picture of what's happening on the ground. Um, That said, from what I can tell and from the news reports, Ukrainian forces don't seem to be doing a lot of fighting in the open where the Russian ISR assets can easily find them or Russian strike capabilities like the artillery, uh, strike aircraft, etc., can more easily target them or get battle damage assessment. So you're seeing that the nature of the fighting seems to be um, the, the Ukrainian forces are concentrating more in the cities, and that poses a much more challenging fighting environment for Russian forces. Urban warfare is uh, very difficult in, a, in any sense. And uh, from an EMS standpoint, urban warfare shortens the lines of communications for the defenders, and it usually presents a much more congested EMS environment. So that's a much more challenging environment for the Russians to be operating in. Yeah, thank you for that. So top U.S. space officials this week said it's likely that Russia's invasion of Ukraine will extend to space, predicting continued GPS jamming and spoofing and urging military and commercial space operators to be prepared for possible cyber attacks. What is your take on this? I think that those are very sound warnings. We haven't seen that yet, from what I can tell. It's, again, important to remember that we're five days into the conflict at this point. And so this is really an opening phase. Uh, this conflict will probably evolve depending on today they're nego- you know, discussing it, a ceasefire. And there's going to be a lot of different phases of the war probably uh, playing out over time, even if the Ukrainian government decides to negotiate a truce and, and, and stops fighting. If Russian forces occupy the country, an insurgency could evolve. So, so, so the space discussion right now doesn't seem to be a factor. But again, we're five days in and Russia really hasn't use the full brunt of its capabilities, its EW capabilities, or its cyber capabilities, frankly. So, so right now, I think we have to watch and wait, but I don't, I don't see that happening uh, in maybe at a very localized level 
Um, they're doing some GPS jamming, but right now it doesn't seem to be a widespread, uh, widespread effect and certainly not extending outside of the country. Hello, everyone. I want to take a short break to thank BAE Systems Fast Labs for the continued support for our From the Crow's Nest podcast. I am pleased to be here today with Bill Watson, Chief Scientist at BAE Systems Fast Labs. Bill, it's great to be here with you. Now, BAE Systems Fast Labs is BAE Systems Research and Development and Production Organization. Can you tell us a little bit about Fast Labs as well as your background? Yes, and thank you for having me. Uh, BAE Systems Fast Labs is dedicated to innovating disruptive next generation solutions for the critical defense and intelligence challenges. Of course, electronic warfare is one of our key focus areas, but in addition to that, we also do research in autonomy and AI, sensing and response, advanced microelectronics, communications and navigation. I've been working in the RF, that is radio frequency research community for over 20 years, a short time in the United States Air Force, followed by specific research and development. My work in the last 20 years has been singularly focused on DARPA research and within the last 10 years at BAE Systems Fast Labs specifically. Technology we work on spans sensor processing through high-level sense making up to tactical and operational level autonomy and decision-making support. And one of the key differentiators about BAE Fast Labs is the research that we do uh, is intended to find its way to benefit the warfighter. This has been an important topic through many of our recent episodes here on From the Crow's Nest. Can you talk a little bit more about that technology? And for our audience, how does it change or affect our EW capabilities that we're trying to field? In our work with leading uh, DoD customers like DARPA or AFRL, we focus on developing technologies that will uh, advance future solutions from overcoming today's challenges to developing technologies never before thought to be possible. We then transition our technology to feelable products to benefit our warfighters through partnership with BA Systems Electronic Systems product lines. As a specific example, I thought I'd use a movie you may or may not be familiar with. It was called Battle Los Angeles. It was from 2011. And in that movie, aliens had, had invaded. And what the characters in the movie found is that whenever they keyed their microphones on their radios, they could be easily geolocated and targeted. What the movie presented as science fiction for us is, in fact, science fact. This is the type of technology that we work on and exist today where the physics meets the real world. This sounds like absolutely fascinating work. What is the next area that you see for research and development? And if anyone is interested in learning more, how can they reach out to you? Well, we can't say too much because of the sensitivity of our work at classification levels. But in Fast Labs, we are always working on the future state. No matter what the future threats are, we will continue to focus on solving the hardest problems to benefit the warfighter. If you're interested in more information about Fast Labs, you can connect with us on our website at basystems.com slash fastlabs. Well, thank you, Bill, for joining me here on From the Crow's Nest. And now it's time to get back to our show. Okay, so what role do you foresee EW playing in the next steps in the Russia-Ukraine crisis? How large is the scale when it comes to using EW and SIGINT in Russian operations? Russia has been modernizing really since about 2006, 2008. Um, so they've, they've been modernizing their forces overall, their conventional forces, but especially their electronic warfare and SIGIN capabilities. They have increased their capacity, meaning the number of units that have new equipment. 
and they've been somewhat increasing their capability, meaning the it, how advanced the technology is, the electronic warfare and SIGINT technology that they're developing. But they really were crawling out of a, a much, uh, you know, in the 1990s, they really didn't do a lot of, of widespread innovation. Um, and a lot of the designs that they have are are not necessarily state of the art by Western standards. So, so you have to kind of weigh that capability and capacity. Those are two sort of variables that you have to look at. So Russia has designed, I think, its EW capabilities and SIGIN capabilities to focus on its near abroad. So those countries like Ukraine, Belarus, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, those countries that they that Russia views as being within its sphere of influence and that it doesn't it wants to be able to operate in those countries freely. So in that sense, Ukraine has seen since 2014 what Russia has been doing, obviously in not only in in Ukraine but in Syria and places like that. And in that, Russia seems to be honing its concepts of operations, its cyber EW and information warfare sort of lash up that they use that they've been using, and and so from from what I understand of of Russia's capabilities and capacity, Russia hasn't really unleashed most of that yet. Maybe at a very local level, but the Russian forces seem to be moving down highways through the city, you know, encircling cities and moving on and moving throughout the country. And so again, Ukrainian forces don't seem to be trying to challenge them too much in the open. They seem to be coming to the cities. And so that's going to create a challenge for, you know, you can have the best EW capability, but fighting in the city is going to neutralize that to a certain extent. Um, and just because, again, uh, shorter lines of communications, you're more vulnerable to IDs and ambushes in cities, things like that. And so it, it just is a much more challenging environment. Um, and that's going to really stress how stress out the Russian capabilities, because again, they may have a lot of capacity, a lot of lot of equipment, but if it's not advanced enough, it's it it just may not perform as well in those urban environments. It's it's hard to say at this point because Russia's really never gotten itself into that kind of a fight. Um, but Ukraine again has had a look at what Russia can do to a certain extent in the east of the country. So it's it's again five days in and a lot to be determined. But I can foresee multiple phases of this war, depending on how it goes. Even if, if the Ukrainian government negotiates a truce and it does evolve into a insurgency in the West, Western part of the country, Russia could find itself facing drone attacks and and RCID attacks, roadside bombs, things like that. And it's seen that in the past in Syria and places like that. But again, the EMS contest is probably going to go through several phases. It could, I shouldn't say it will, but it could go through several phases. And, and it's just something to keep an eye on because Russia has equipped itself to deal with a much more conventional fight. So what are the implications of this for the U.S.? What do we need to look out for? I think the U.S. is obviously not committing to operations in Ukraine at the moment. NATO is not committing to that. So right now you're going to have a active Russian military force right up against NATO allies. So there's going to be a lot of observation, a lot of ISR going on across the Polish border into Ukraine and probably into a little bit into Belarus. And there's going to be a lot of understanding how 
you know, we're going to have a fairly good look. We had this in Turkey too, of Russia deploying to Syria and, and being right on the border and being able to see how they're operating. But we're going to see it on a much larger scale. This is probably the biggest test Russia has had militarily in its since uh, since the end of the Cold War. So it's it, we're seeing probably more more complete aspects of their operational concepts and equipment capabilities than we have in the past. So for the U.S., this is a fairly good look at how Russia is going to operate and fight uh, if they ever got into a conflict with NATO forces. The other thing I think it's important is looking at not just the equipment they have, but Russia has reorganized as well. They've reorganized their forces over the past decade, and they they have pushed EW down into smaller and smaller units. And so it's a good chance to see how the, how that is working. And if Russia is conducting a lot of electronic warfare right now in these first days of the conflict, it's probably doing that among those smaller units that are supporting, directly supporting forces in the east of the country or or as they move around on the highways and places like that. So so it's a it's a good way to gauge how not just the equipment, but how Russia's operational concepts have evolved and how effective they are. And, and so, so the West is probably looking at that because we're debating in the West, especially in the United States, uh, U.S. Army and others, how far down we can push EW in, into our organizational structure. And, and that's a, a very important question because it, it drives what kind of equipment you buy, it drives how many personnel you train and how you train them, and, and that operational flexibility that you want from that. And we've never, we haven't done that in a long time to push EW down that low. So it's a good chance to see how Russia operates and if that is an effective strategy for them. That will conclude this episode of From the Crow's Nest. Thank you, John, for joining me. I hope that you join me again in the near future. Thank you, Talia. Thank you all for listening. Fast Labs, powered by BAE Systems, is at the forefront of advanced technology and defense research, development, and production. They're pushing boundaries, breaking barriers, and innovating for a safer world. Check them out at www.baesystems.com/fastlabs.